Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, Warehouse Church. Happy Easter Sunday. Happy Resurrection Sunday. It's so great to see you this week. Uh, I got to tell you, as much as we are so, so thankful for this opportunity we have to be on YouTube and on Warehouse Church Facebook page, uh, for you to be watching it live, it's been fun. It's been different uh, being able to comment and say hi to everybody. But I got to tell you, church, I am ready to get back to the house, to see everybody, to, to shake hands, to hug, to interact with one another. I just, I'm looking forward to that. I love being around people, and I cannot wait to be around our church family. And I know it's going to happen soon, and we trust that you're staying safe, making great decisions, taking care of your family. Please contact us if we could do anything to help you out or your family out this week. You can get on hello at warehousechurch.com. Uh, I know Johnny talked to you about some of that stuff earlier, but we're here to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. It's Easter Sunday, and it's a little bit different, right? We're not going to have an Easter egg hunt outside of our church. Maybe you'll have one out in front of your yard like we're going to with our grandkids today. Maybe there's not going to be the big family dinner, barbecue, ham, macaroni and cheese, baked beans, which I don't get to enjoy anyway. But maybe it's just going to be something with you and your wife, or maybe even you're by yourself today. But for these next few moments, let's spend Easter together and get into the why we celebrate Easter. What I want to talk to you today about is very, very personal, and I actually titled my message today uh, with the phrase, it's personal. Um, I'm going to start by talking about something a little difficult, but it's going to lead into something wonderful because we do understand that Easter is the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ which is amazing. The most significant moment in the history of mankind was the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? The good news, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But in order for there to be a resurrection, there needs to be a death. And death is sometimes too real. Um, I can remember when death became real to me. I was about 13 years old. And in a very short period of time, both of my dad's parents passed away. And it was the first time I was around death at at any level. I mean, I saw stuff on TV, not like our kids see today on TV, but I saw stuff on TV uh, in regards to death. You see stuff in the news. You see all kind of weird stuff all over the place. But I remember walking up as a young teenager and seeing my grandparents in the casket. And I remember touching my, my grandfather's hand and and it felt different because, because he was dead. But the thing that really got to me most in my grandfather, and his name was Joseph Trinkle, like my brother's name is, and my grandmother's name was Ann Trinkle, Ann Elizabeth. The thing that I remember about both of their deaths was sitting next to my father and watching him mourn. And death became very, very personal to me because I thought about, now my my grandparents were very young. They were probably 61, 62 years old, somewhere in that range. And at the time, 
I was, I was 15. My dad was only about 34, 35 years old. And I was thinking, wow, you know, 60 years old, that's only 25 years. And I had no concept of time. But I just started to think about, well, I'm going to see my dad pass away someday. And I'm thankful he hasn't yet. But death became very, very real to me on that day. Uh, the two most real deaths, honestly, though, the p- most personal real deaths and funerals that I've ever um, experienced personally was the death of my father-in-law, Jim Vogel, and the death of my son-in-law, Johnny's brother, Michael. Um, when Jim died, Kim and I were out of the country, and we came home, and we were there for the funeral, and um, you know, it was Kim's dad, you know, it was her father, and he was a young man, he was about 62 years old, 63 years old, and we were blessed, he should have passed away in his 40s, because he got really, really sick, and God gave us another 15 years with him or so, and we were so thankful for that, but that was somebody I was close to, that was somebody that I cared for very, very much, and that had a tremendous impact, not only on me and my wife, but even my children, watching them mourn the loss of their grandfather. That was a very difficult thing. And then last year, I'll never forget, we got a call where Johnny's brother, Michael, had passed away uh, from an overdose, a heroin overdose. And the way that 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 impacted Johnny, his brother, right? His his brother. And Johnny had lost his mom at a young age, too. And he's actually experienced more sorrow and death in his life at 30 than I have at 53 years old. And I think if we consider, all of us have lost somebody, and boy, I hope it doesn't happen to any of us soon, but the reality of it is, is we're all exposed to it. The Bible talks about it is appointed unto man once to die. Life is just a vapor, it's very short, and then, you know, we pass on into eternity. I don't want to be a downer when I talk about this, because you know the end of the story is a victorious story. But I want you to understand something. Jesus' death was very, very personal. And I want to read this passage to you. We're going to be kind of diving into John chapter 20 this morning. And I'm going to start by reading in verse number 1. But as we consider this, understand that the death of Jesus Christ, the most incredible moment, his death, very own resurrection, right, in the history of mankind, as I said it to you earlier. But the death of Jesus Christ was very personal. We say followers, right? He was... He was, you know, Jesus Christ was a teacher. He was, he was their leader. He was, he was God's son here on this earth, God in the flesh, incarnate, Emmanuel, in front of these people. For, but I want to tell you something. To, to the disciples, to Mary, to Ma- Mary Magdalene, and, and, and to some of his other followers, you know what Jesus was? He was family. And when Jesus died on the cross, even though it was the most significant moment in the history of humanity, because that was... That's what had to happen for you and I to have forgiveness of sins. These people that, that, that touched him, shook his hand, hugged him, ate meals with him, spent time with him, they lost someone that they cared deeply about. And it was very, very personal to them. Read with me, if you will, John chapter 20. I'm going to read for you verses 1 through 13. God's, God's holy word says this. Early on the first of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter, the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, that that was John speaking of himself, and said, they have taken the Lord out of his tomb. We don't know where they've put him. 
So Peter and the other disciple started towards the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. John was talking trash a little bit. He said he was faster than Peter here. But the other disciple uh, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He, He bent over, looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there and as well as the cloth that would have been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, that's John, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside, and he saw and believed. They still didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were saying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, She bent over to look inside the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. And they asked, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put him. You see, death is very, very personal, isn't it? Um, When we think about that, it's, 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 it's sad, it's hard, especially if you've lost somebody that's close to you. And the disciples specifically here, Peter and John, Of course, there was the other disciples and his other followers, but Mary also, these three were mentioned in this story, in the beginning part of the story in John chapter 20. And there's some things that took place in Jesus' life. Jesus told his disciples over and over and over again that the temple was going to be destroyed. In three days, it was going to be brought up again. When Jesus was in in the garden with the disciples praying, he told them what was going to happen. They just couldn't grasp because they've, even though they saw it with Lazarus when he rose again from the grave because Jesus called him out, it just didn't seem possible that this person that they were talking to was going to die. And I can understand that. You know, even when we've prayed with somebody at death's doorstep and they've been in the hospital with some awful disease like cancer or or, or, or whatever it was, and even somebody that's 85 years old or 90 years old, and they're laying in their bed, and they're at the last moments of their life, and you're with them, it seems that even after that their spirit separates from their body, and their physical body has died, you're like, wow, I can't believe they were just with me a few moments ago, and now they're gone. And for Jesus to be 33 years old and talking about dying, really, in their minds, it just didn't make sense. He's too young. He's God's son. How could death have victory in his life like it does all of us, right? But here's the thing. Death is very personal, but when Jesus died, his closest friends just didn't understand. They didn't understand it. The Bible says here in John chapter 20, they panicked. And and, and understand the story. They were mourning the death of Jesus. Somebody came and reported to them. Somebody stole his body. And they were worried about, there were Jewish laws about burial and consecration and cleanse, cleansing. And it was, you know, the sa- all these things were in place. The Sabbath and all those things. And they were worried about all these things that happened to his physical body. In their minds thinking that his spirit was separated from his body already. And they ran to protect the dead body of Jesus. They panicked. What are we going to do? He's gone. What are we going to do? What's going on here, right? Uh, they ran as fast as they could. Even afterwards, when they saw that his body was there. Now, the Bible says that John believed, and we get that, and we'll go back to that in a minute. But it doesn't say that Peter believed, and the Bible says they went home. He's not here. Where is he? The very next few verses, 
we understand. His, his closest friends didn't understand. His closest friends, and this is significant, church, his closest friends were very upset and they lost hope, right? When we pray for people that are sick, we pray with hope. We've had some families in our church affected by the COVID-19 virus. We have other families in our church that, that, that go through things. Uh, we have friends in our, in, our, in our communities outside of this area. My dad is very ill, and he's in a nursing home in North Houston. Uh, my mom is, is starting to break down a little bit, and they're, they're really not that old. They're only in their early 70s. But many of you have people in your lives that are, are sickly or, 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 or maybe even have <coughs> passed away recently. But when you go through that process of mourning the loss to somebody, there's always, while they're alive, there's still hope there's going to be healing. But what happened when Jesus died? They lost hope. There were many unanswered questions, and they didn't understand. And the Bible tells us here they didn't quite understand his teaching about the resurrection yet. It, they didn't fully comprehend. It says about Mary, who was a believer in Jesus and was honored by Jesus when she anointed him for his death uh, with those oils. Uh, the Bible says that Mary was crying, and she was grieving. And, and, and that's listen, that's not a rebuke on Mary for crying and grieving. That's not a rebuke on any of us that have cried and have grieved the loss of somebody that we love very much. But here's the thing. They were so wrapped up in their grief and so wrapped up in their perception of what happened and their limited understanding of what had taken place in Jesus' life that some of them didn't even recognize when Jesus was alive again. Jesus appeared to Mary and if, if you'll, we're going to read this in a second. Jesus appeared to Mary, and Mary thought that Jesus was a gardener. And later on, we're going to talk about Thomas and, and how he wanted physical proof. And we'll read through that here in the next passage uh, as we continue this uh, in this chapter, John chapter 20, verse number 14. Uh, l- listen to what happens here when Jesus appears to Mary and to the disciples and to Thomas. It says in verse number 14, uh, after, after she said they took her Lord away and they don't know where he's going to put him, in verse 14 it says, at this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. She saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. This guy who, who she saw three days ago on the cross, who she was a follower of, spent many of her days with, she was so focused on her sorrow, she was so focused on, on, on what she thought had happened, she didn't even recognize what Jesus was talking to her face to face. And in verse 15, Jesus asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Jesus is like, dude, I'm right here. How do you not see me? When I walk around the house sometimes and my oldest granddaughter, Logan, who's starting to communicate better and that's a lot of fun and Tori's getting there and now we see our youngest grandchild, uh, Rosie's starting to talk to us. It's a lot of fun. But Logan kind of puts phrases and thoughts and has a different understanding. And I'll walk in the house and I'll say, Logan, where are you? And she says, I'm in here. And I'll walk in and because I'm so tall and she's so little. I'll look like I'm looking up. And I'll say, Logan, where are you? And she's standing right in front of me. And she'll say, Pop, I'm standing right here. Why don't you see me? Almost in a little bit of frustration. And I do that kind of playing with her and we have fun with that. But it's like Jesus was saying the same thing. Who are you looking for? Like, I know you're crying, and I know who you're crying for, but here I am, right? I'm standing right in front of you. Thinking he was a gardener, she said, Sir, 
If you carried him away, tell me where you put him and I'll go get him. So she says to Jesus, thinking he's somebody else, can you tell me where you put you, basically, right? And Jesus said to her, Mary, and at that moment, Mary recognized the voice of Jesus. She turned to him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus says, don't hold on to me yet. I know you want to give me a hug. He says, don't come on to me yet. Don't, 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 don't come to me and touch me or hug me because I've, I've not yet ascended to my father. But I want you to go to my brothers and tell them that I'm ascending to my father and your father and to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene, verse number 18, went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that, that, that he said these things to her. Verse number 19, Jesus then appears to the disciples, and, and, and it says, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands, and he showed them his side, and they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I'm going to send you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anybody's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. And then here comes old Thomas. Old Thomas. One of the worst nicknames in history. There's nicknames in the Bible that describe people that were even heroes, even people that were in Jesus' bloodline. If you read through Matthew it gives you the genealogy, Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of Jesus and the generations going all the way back uh, through the Old Testament. But there was a lady in there in Jesus' bloodline, Jesus' family line, named Rahab the harlot. And that sounds poetic and maybe even a little Shakespearean, but let me tell you what that means. Rahab the prostitute. So that was in Jesus' bloodline. That's a pretty yucky name, right? If you're known as Rahab the prostitute, like that's part of your name. Well, when we talk about Thomas, most of the time when people talk about Thomas, Thomas's nickname or what he's known as is Doubting Thomas. And specifically here, it says that Thomas, who was known as Didymus in verse 24, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples came and told him, we've seen the Lord, bro. He came, he was with us. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here in my hands. And I don't think he was, I think he was rebuking him a little bit, saying it to him strongly, but also saying it to him lovingly because he cared about him. Put your fingers here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet still believe. You see, some didn't recognize that Jesus was still alive. But this, this idea of the resurrection, of Jesus being dead and three days being alive again, this resurrection was very personal to his followers. And Jesus made it very personal because Jesus went to Mary and he ministered to Mary. He said, 
He said, I'm here. I see that you're grieving. Mary, it's me. Mary, I'm here and I care about you and I love you. And Jesus met Mary right where she was. Jesus met with the disciples and he also gave them, he gave Mary hope and then he went to the disciples and even Thomas and he gave them hope. He said, peace be unto you. I'm here, I'm alive again. And he could have said, see guys, I told you, why didn't you believe? And there were times in the gospels where Jesus had to say some strong words to them and guide them and direct them. You faithless, you guys aren't listening. If you would have had the faith of a mustard seed, come on guys, I've been saying this over and over again. You that have ears to hear, let them hear. And you could sense some of the frustration every once in a while when Jesus was talking to his guys. But he knew they were hurting. He knew they were broken. He knew that they didn't understand. And he knew if they really saw him and experienced him personally, you know what they would have? They would have hope. Jesus appeared to them, said, here I am. Here's, here's the scars. You know it's me. Look at me, guys. I'm here. And I'm here to tell you something today. What, what I've done, you now have to tell other people about. And the Bible says he breathed on them and the Holy Spirit came upon them. Just like we talked about a few weeks ago in John chapters 14, 15, uh, and 16, about that he was not going to leave them comfortless, that somebody even more significant than him was going to come and indwell them, and our bodies would become the temples of God. And, and, and Jesus gave, Jesus appeared to his disciples, he met his disciples, and he gave them hope. But this very last verse that we read about the resurrection of Jesus in this passage, it says this, Thomas, because you have seen me, you believe. And then he says this to us. Remember back in John chapter 17, Jesus prayed for what was going to happen to him, and then he prayed for his disciples, and then he prayed for everybody that would be reached by the witness of disciples. He prayed for us. And in John chapter 20, he mentions us again. He says, blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet still believed. The hope of the resurrection. Jesus gave us hope by being alive after he was dead. Jesus said he went and prepared a place for us because he wants us to be with him. Jesus said because he died, we can have a relationship with God if we believe in him. He gave us hope. And I want to talk to you about those two funerals that I mentioned to you earlier. The hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ made my father-in-law's funeral, Jim Vogel, a very joyful occasion. We were thankful as a family that we had him for 15 extra years. We really were because he got to be a part of my kid's life and they still remember Pop-Pop Jim. He's got the coolest birthday too. We would always get together on his birthday on July 4th. That's when he, that's his birthday, Independence Day. Perfect day, right, for a birthday and for a barbecue. And they had memories of him. He was, he was kind of a troublemaker. He would do a pie and smash it in his daughter Mary's face and start the water balloon fight, start the hose stuff and all that. He was a lot of fun and just a good, good man. And a lot of people came. A lot of people knew Jim Vogel because he, he just helped everybody. He helped churches with their vehicles. There's even an article written about him in the Reader's Digest about, uh, about Honest Jim. Somebody, this, this guy came by and needed some help on his car. Jim fixed it, just needed a fuse and didn't charge him for it. And, and the guy wrote an article about Honest Jim, and it was kind of a neat thing for our family. 
to be able to talk about that at his funeral. But you know what we talked about? He was a good guy. He wasn't a perfect guy. He was a good guy. But you know what Jim had? Jesus Christ. And all of us in our sadness and all of us in our tears and all of us uh, in our um, brokenness over his departure of his life absolutely 100% had a full comprehension and belief that we're going to see him again someday because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jim had a relationship with him. The hope of the resurrection made the most difficult funeral that we've ever been a part of. My son-in-law's brother, Michael, when we got that call that he died of a, of a drug overdose, very tragically, very suddenly, 30-some-year-old guy, you know, and, and that just seems to be happening too much in our country today. Uh, a lot of you have known people that have died young because of drug overdose or alcoholism or because of accidents that weren't their fault. And boy, those kind of funerals leave a lot of questions in your heart. Like, why did this happen? And is this really fair? And why would God allow these things to happen? And they seem very, very coarse, and they're very abrupt because they just interrupt everything in your life. You have to stop everything you're doing and deal with it. And it's hard. But I want to tell you, the hope of the resurrection made the funeral of Michael Papero, who died very tragically, a beautiful, beautiful day. Because on that day... Close to 500 people attended this young guy's funeral. And I got to see my son-in-law preach his first public sermon, Johnny. And on that day, probably half of the people that were in attendance lifted their hand up and said that they had made a profession of faith to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ because of the hope of the resurrection. Michael knew Jesus as his personal Savior. And even though he had some self-inflicted problems in his life, not taking anything away from that. His sins were not greater than the grace that was given to him by Jesus Christ. And Michael's in heaven. He might not know Jim, but he's in heaven with Jim in a perfect body. Jim doesn't have the disease he had when he was here on the earth, his cancer. He's got a brand new body. Uh, Michael doesn't have an addiction issue. In heaven, he's got a perfect body. And why does all of that happen? Because of the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life. And he died so that you and I can have our sins forgiven. And he told us over and over, prophesied it in the Old Testament many times, told his followers many, many times. And here we read about it in John chapter 20, that he died, he was buried, and he rose again. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ might not make your body whole today, but it will make your soul whole for all of eternity. It might not make you feel better, because we like this feeling stuff, right? Uh, we like those energy drinks, and we like those fast diets that make us lose, because we like to feel better. It's, it's not a feeling. we got to be careful about that, because feelings aren't true. Sometimes I feel I want to do things that I shouldn't do, and sometimes I don't want to do the things that I have to do, right? Those are based on my feelings. When I, my alarm went off this morning at 6.30, I didn't feel like waking up, but I knew that I had to. I don't base my life on my feelings. I want to base my life on truth, and the truth is, is that God loves you, and the truth is that God desires to forgive you, and the truth is that God wants a relationship with you, and he proved that by allowing his own son, his own blood, his own 
part of his being to come to this earth and teach great stuff and do crazy miracles and great messages and great things that we can learn from, from the life of Christ. But the Bible says that he came to seek and to save the lost. And he died and he was buried and he rose again. Why? So that today on Easter Sunday across all of the world, pastors and evangelists and teachers and leaders that know Christ as Savior are talking about his resurrection because he lives, we can live also through him. And I pray today that you'll put your belief in this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, it says in Acts chapter 16, verse 31. And if you want to put your hope for your future in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, your faith and your trust in him, you could do that with me today. Now, if you already know Christ as Savior, today's a day of thanksgiving. It's a day of celebration. It's a reminder, right? Jesus told his disciples, I'm alive, I'm alive. Here I am, check it out. Check out my hole in my side and my hands. You look at that and you see that I'm alive. Now you go tell everybody what you saw. It's a reminder for us to be thankful for what Christ has done in our life, but it's also a reminder for us that we're to tell people about what Christ has done in our life. That's our reminder, Christians. But if you don't know Christ as your Savior today, I'm going to tell you something. I believe that God in his sovereignty brought you to this church service today so that you could put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you've never done that, I'm going to pray. Just like Jesus told his disciples, not comparing myself to Jesus, pray like this. This is how you pray. I'm going to teach you how to pray and invite Christ to come into your heart and save you. And it's your belief, it's your words to him and belief that God will change your heart and give you a brand new start. And I pray that the resurrection, the hope of the resurrection becomes personal to you today. If you want to be saved, can I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes right where you're sitting, even if your family's with you, just do it privately. And pray this inside of your heart this morning. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me and pay for my sins. I believe that you died to pay for my sins so that I can have forgiveness. And I believe the resurrection teaches us that you're alive today. proving that you are God and I put my full faith and trust in you. Would you come into my life and save me today? Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. And then say this, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're watching this morning as a way of celebration, because I know many people have prayed this with me today, in your comment section, just write amen. If you're watching on YouTube, shoot us an email. But in your comment section, if you affirm that, if you, if you believe what we just talked about today and you want to be an encouragement to others, just write amen in your comment bar. And let's see a bunch of amens coming up in the comments right now. But if you did pray with me, do this. Would you go on your phone or on your tablet, whatever you're writing on as soon as this church service is over, and send an email to hello at warehousechurch.com and give us your name. Say, my name is... My name is Ed Trinkle. You put your name in there. My name is, and I prayed, 
And I ask Jesus to come into my heart today. Thank you for sharing this with me today. And just put your name on there. And we'll respond to you today and, 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 and encourage you in your new walk with the Lord. If you allow us to, we'll even send some stuff to you. We're not going to knock on your door and, 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 and make you feel uncomfortable, but we'd like to send some information to you about our church. Right now, this is our church. We're an online church right now, like most churches are in the world today. But very, very soon, and we believe it's going to be soon, hopefully uh, either by the end of the month or the beginning of May, we're going to be meeting again together with our family. Cannot wait to be doing that, and we hope that you'll be a part of that. We're going to have some great activities planned. We have some, a lot of fun we're going to do, a big outside celebration just to celebrate the ending of, of the COVID virus and celebrating life and just celebrating the opportunity to, to do life together. And we're going to do that, and we want you to be a part of that, and we want to send you information about our church. So you make sure you stay connected with us on Warehouse Church Facebook or go to our website, www.warehousechurch.com, so we can be a part of your growth and in your life and your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for making Warehouse Church part of your Easter celebration this year. We are praying and we believe with all of our heart it'll be in person next year. But while we're meeting online, we want to be a part of your lives. I'm going to ask you to stay tuned every day on our Warehouse Church Facebook page at noon where I share a quick message <clears throat> and just not a, not a sermon, but just some quick thoughts and, and an encouragement as we're kind of navigating through this difficult time of our lives right now. We do a Wednesday night prayer time at, at 7 o'clock Central Time on our Warehouse Church Facebook page. And we had a great time on Friday together in worship when we did our Good Friday communion service. We just want to stay connected to you as much as we can, and we hope that you'll give us the opportunity to do that. We're privileged and honored to be able to be in your homes today. Thank you. We love you. Let us know if today was an encouragement to you. God bless and have a great week.